You are listening to the Coach's Ed Podcast exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network. Hi, everyone, and thank you for connecting with the Rush Female Coaches Alliance. This is Megan McCormick, Coach Education Consultant and Girls Academy Director at Colorado Rush. I'm excited to introduce you to a remarkable coach in our Rush network. Christiane Lesa, coach with Georgia Rush, joins me to discuss the experiences which have taken her from futsal courts in Brazil and sharing a field with Marta to coaching professionally, literally across the globe. She shares advice for coaches and players and makes predictions for the Tokyo Olympics and 2023 World Cup. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Because I, I want to be respectful of your time. I know uh, it's that time of year and, and things are really busy. So if you're good, we'll go ahead and and jump right into it. So, um, yeah, re- really excited that we were able to, to arrange a time to speak and talk a little bit about your experience and um, background in the game. So if you're okay with it, I'll go ahead and just let you introduce yourself and, and we can go from there. Sure. Um, my name is Christiane Lessa. I've been coaching in the U.S. for the past 15 years or so. I've played the whole thing, college, professionally, uh, in Europe. Uh, originally, I'm from Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. I started playing soccer in Rio in futsal, so I had no clue what playing on the field was. Uh, until I was 17, then I tried out for Vasco da Gama, which was the same main team that anyone would try out if they wanted to play with a women's, with a girls' team that Marta actually tried out to at the same time. So that's how my career began. And then I came to the U.S. when I was 18 to play soccer and, and have this journey. Yeah, which is, I mean, incredible. And I think we'll we'll dig into some of that. But that was part of, you know, my interest in being able to connect with you is certainly looking through some of your experiences and, and the things that you're now bringing to the game as a coach. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what your role is currently, um, where you're at, and how you're connected with uh, Rush Soccer? Um, right now, I am coaching the <clears> – <throat> my role at – Rush, uh, I coach the 2012 girls pre-academy. I assistant coach the the U19 boys. I'm still learning the 2002, I guess, 2002 and 2003 boys. Uh, 2009 girls, I'm the assistant coach, but head coach as well. And then 2008 boys team. But I do anything they ask me to do in terms of trying to inspire the kids and and, and such. Yeah, sounds like uh, sounds like Rush is certainly uh, certainly keeping you busy and trying to maximize your abilities and and get you around as many players as we can, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I want to I want to go back to kind of what you talked about growing up. I think really fascinating to me being you know growing up in Brazil. Um, I think a, a culture that certainly as Americans we really associate with um, with soccer and and passion with, for the game. So can you talk a little bit about when you started playing and, again, that transition from playing futsal all the way up until 17 years old and then um, transitioning to playing on the field? I think that's a 
you know, for Americans, certainly a unique pathway. Sure. Um, so I started in my high school. I saw the boys playing in uh, in mode. So it was like a long time ago. I watched their World Cup 1990. I was just 10 years old or something. And I fell in love with it. And I used to play with my brother inside of the house, kicking and breaking everything, of course. There was no girls' soccer team. There was no – I've never heard of any women's team. Uh, and then, of course, high school, I saw the boys play on the on the break time, on the lunch time, and then I just jumped in with them. I had to fight with a couple of them because they're like girls playing soccer, crazy. Um, so when I started jumping in with the boys, it was like 12 years old, 13. Then my coach from high school – like he made like a basketball team, a futsal team, all these teams, and I begged him to make a girls team. But there was no other girl that played in my high school, so whatever. I just started recruiting anyone that could move. So we made a girls team, and it was like just futsal because they don't have fields like you would imagine. Like here in America, you have high schools with fields all over. You know, there's so many facilities. There's so many places for you to go kick around. In Brazil, it was limited to futsal courts. And basketball courts and etc. So then, when I actually went to play an organized futsal game, it was at uh, AABB, which is a big club in Brazil for futsal. Uh, in my city, they had a, a place, and I I started when I was 15, 16 actually, 16. I was already old in that age group, uh, and then we started playing adult leagues. So then I met this girl at one of the futsal games. And she was like, why don't you come try out at Vasco da Gama? It's a serious girls, um, adult professional team here in Brazil. Uh, when they say professional at that time in 1999, it was because it was organized. They had uniforms and they had a practice set up time. So for that, that was a professional thing. And then I passed the test. Marta was there. And just between 100 girls trying out, me, Marta, and some other girl called Kelly, we passed the test. I don't know how I passed because I had no idea what midfield was. And I, the guy asked me, what position do you play? I say, I play futsal. I think I play midfield. And then he, I, <laughs> and then, it was terrible. I didn't know where to run on the field. and But I had skills, right? Because futsal, I, I had skills. I was used to uh, dribbling and playing and, and fighting with boys on the street, losing my, my nails and whatever. Um, playing on the rain, jumping people's house to get the ball, barefoot. My mom going crazy, saying that she did not raise a daughter <laughs> to look like that. It was awesome. So then after I, I went to try out with, with that team, I did a move, like I over the girl, and then I crossed it. And then I was like, you know, and then he said I passed. And then I stayed with the U-17, me, Marta, in the U-17 then, of course, Marta right away, one week, she was already trained with the pro, adult. Then I trained with the pro as well for, for a couple of days. But then I focused more on the younger age because I had no idea what the field was. And right away, I saw the the team that there was, I was never going to get playing time. So I think it's important for the youth in America to understand that we all go through it. We all, no one was a starter right away unless, even Marta, even Marta, she was only 13, so because of her age, she didn't start right away. Took her two games, for example. She was just amazing. But it took me a while to to, 
to start on the main team. So I told my coach, I said, look, I'm going to go to another club so I can get more playing time. And he was like, absolutely. Because the team I was playing, Vasco da Gama, was like the entire Brazilian national team. It was like if you had Mia Hamm, Hope Solo, uh, Carly Lloyd, and every Alex Morgan in one team, all of the, the stars on the national team. So then I played a little bit, and then I, right, I saw the 1996 Olympics, and I became crazy and obsessed about coming to America. I said, that's the country I want to go. And that's how I came to the U.S. That's the that's what I I never learned any technical. I I I look at now coaching youth, Megan, and I'm like, the amount of information on body position, watching your spaces. Look how Messi scans the field before he gets the ball. He has like a ten options before he gets the ball, and this is what you can do. The amount of information that we have now for for everybody, even. It's unbelievable. I tell them that if I would have, like, half of this information probably would have been, like, in the U.S. national team, not on the Brazilian. Like, it's just crazy how sure. much we give to them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I think about that often, too, thinking about, man, if I had known all of the things I know now <laughs> as a coach when I was an 18- or a 19-year-old player, like, what would my look like? Um, I think it's a a question that probably a lot of us ask ourselves. Incredible that that you were able to find kind of role models in the game. You know, you spoke about seeing the World Cup and and then Mm -hmm. seeking out opportunities to play with boys, getting to play along players like Marta, and then watching the Olympics in 96, and that kind of maybe really setting the stage for your transition to the U.S. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about, um, you know, coming to the U.S. and then your – you know, how did you make the transition from playing to coaching? When did that door open up or, or when did you start kind of thinking about that? So when I came to the U.S., I had no no clue. So it was 2001, University of Dayton, Ohio, Mike Tucker. He recruited me. I met this coach from the U.S. in Brazil, Copacabana, playing with the boys, beach soccer. I did a bicycle kick and the guy was like, okay, hey, you want to come play in America? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I I used to go on a on a public phone that had in, inside of my 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 housing complex in Brazil. I lived in a huge house complex, like a condo. Uh, anyways, and there was I used to go there and and make this way of calling the U.S. for free. <laughs> and I called this coach almost every day, telling him I wanted to come here. So he got me connected with Mike Tucker. I didn't speak any English, so I was talking Spanish with the, the coach. So then Mike Tucker sent me some 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 stuff. I probably was one of the first students to come into America in terms of being an international exchange student. Uh, so when I got here, I went to Ohio. I went to Dayton, Ohio, stayed with his family, met Mike Tucker, and he looked at me and he made me fill up this huge thing of paperwork from NCAA and and as soon as I wrote Vasco da Gama there I was ineligible <laughs> but he got me in contact with uh right away when I stepped in Ohio my coach that got me there uh he was a coach as well he was a high school coach and he had a clinic so I already started coaching with him I did clinics with him so I was 18 years old and I'm already coaching little kids never done that in my life thought it was cool then I started assistant coaching for him right away as well and I got he made 2001, I started August with his high school boys, and then I ended up head coaching for the JV right away. No English. Had to learn English in two months, figure it out. 
there was no Brazilians around me, so it was easier. Then I went to high school there to learn English, to get my English better for a couple months. Then Mike Tucker got me into an NAIA school, which is Lindsay Wilson College, one of the best NAIA schools in the country. I got lucky enough to go there. Then I went to Union College. There was a Brazilian coach got me to go there. We were like number one in the nation, Hall of Fame. NAIA was fun. So then any like during that time, I was already coaching. So I was every opportunity, like clinics, I was coaching. But in my head, I wanted to be a professional player. So when I went to Miami, I went to a school that the soccer was not so good. But I wanted to be around my culture. I wanted to be around the beach, and I wanted to to be more flexible. And I met a couple of people that took me to play in Iceland, so that I thought I was going on the right path, you know. But at the same time, uh, I didn't want to work with anything else. I worked at a cafeteria, you know, to make some money in college, and I always coached. I coached at a club called Miami Lakes Soccer Club. I was about 19 years old, and I was already coaching. In Iceland, I became the assistant coach for my head coach. He was from Serbia. I had to learn Icelandic because he didn't speak English. So I was already coaching in Iceland when I was 20 years old. As a player, he asked me to also help him coach the younger ones. And I'm like, okay, this is fun. All right, you know, I'm involved. Never thought this was going to be my career career. When I came back to the U.S., the league folded. In 2007, I graduated. I came back from Iceland. Came back from Iceland, the league folded. It was the WPSL, what I played. I played that league, mm-hmm. 2007, 8, 9. Then, 2008, I was like, you know what? This is not taking me anywhere. I felt one day I woke up in the morning and I'm like, I need to do something that's never going to let me leave the game. doesn't matter if they fold the leagues or not. doesn't matter if they have professional leagues or not. I love this country. I want to give back everything that I got from here. So then I called a friend of mine, my best friend in college, and I said, yeah, uh, Adriana, I need, to, I need to do something with soccer. I don't know what. She goes, why don't you coach uh, West Brown High School? I say, a high school? You think I'm good enough? And she's like, Oh, come on. You love the game. You're going to learn as you go. So I was coaching Plantation Soccer Club in Florida, U9 girls, and then one of the coaches for the U17 girls said, hey, they're going to open up a a, um, a high school, and then he got me connected to the people there. I got the job. There was a school, uh, all African-American school called Florida Memorial University, HSBC. Then I went to Iowa. Iowa Central, which is a junior college in, in Iowa. Stayed there for four years. We won the national championship on my last year. And then so I went on, and then I decided that I wanted to coach pro. It was like, okay, I need more challenge. And in 2017, I told my athletic director at Young Harris that I wanted to coach pro, and he looked at me like, Coach, you just got here. <laughs> yeah. And I went to Washington Spirits with Jim Gabara and Denise Reddy, two of my favorite people I like to work for. Uh, U20 for the DA Academy. And then I went to uh, Sky Blue. No, sorry. After that, I went to Norway, the head coach for a top Syrian team, Alvesnes. Then I went to China to coach the U15 National. And then I went to Sky Blue as an assistant coach, as a second assistant coach with Denise. The coach from the men's team used to be the men's coach at St. Thomas when I was a player and he called me. He's like, hey, you know, they're going to build the women's uh, college team here. Do you want to apply? I say, right away. So I called the athletic director like three weeks in a row until he hired me. 
he poor guy didn't even have an option. So he hired me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got the job there. I was there for three years. I had no scholarships to give to players. My dream was to go to Brazil and coach professionally there and, and say, hey, guys, see, you didn't uh, really value me as a player or as women's soccer in general. Now I'm back here and I want to do whatever I can for you to value other girls. So that was my goal. That was my dream. Um, but now after this whole COVID, so I went to Brazil, coached professionally. It was amazing. I got to coach the Brazilian captain, Tanya Maranhão, and so many other players that played for the Brazilian national team. I brought three Americans with me, which is just an amazing experience, even though it was just two months. Then the whole COVID happened. I stayed there for three months without getting paid. I tried to make – then uh, the rush – uh, director, I've always kept in contact with me. I had them on my. I always had the group chat with the coaches. And to be honest, there is not one place in America I would work in terms of youth soccer, other than Rush. It's just the mentality. I love the club. I love the parents. It's just a good organization. You know, I've I've been through a lot of organizations, and Rush is just. I felt home when I came back to the U.S. Even though I had. This yeah, can you? Can you can you talk about that a little bit? I think that's really interesting because that was one thing that stuck out to me. Um, and some folks have asked me similar questions about looking at um, my background and the places that I've been and worked. Like, you know, you probably had opportunities to go wherever you want when you were coming back from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could have probably been awfully selective. So what, yeah, what, Take, take me through like what what's important about Rush to you or, or how it's different than some of the other environments you've been in. I think that's really interesting. I think number one, when I was in college as a head coach, uh, in general, like when you're co- uh, recruiting, you hear about Rush, right, and you see how organized they are. So I was in Iowa when I first heard of Rush. I, I saw Iowa Rush. But my club there, I didn't have a club. I didn't coach a club. I was just a little bit part of ODP. And then you hear, so you hear how organized they are, like what some of the, the players that take the game to, to a different level. Then I went to Georgia, I came to Georgia to coach here, and you hear about Georgia Rush. And I heard it. I never dug in, but I tried to recruit. Forgot to mention I coach men's professional, actually. I came back to Atlanta <laughs> last year. Minor, minor detail, minor detail. <laughs> so then we trained at Rush. One of our sponsors were Rush. So through this soccer coach, through this soccer, the men's soccer club that I was assistant coach, uh, the director, for some, one day, I walked up to Juan, the director here, and I said, so you guys have a club here? I saw Juan and I went up to him and I said, so my boss told me something that you guys have a women's, a girls program here, like what, what you guys do here? And they told me about Rush and... It's just the, the the attitude that he had, just the approach, and and never promised me anything spectacular. It didn't say, "Oh, come here, I'm gonna give you this, I'm gonna give you that." No, it's just actually cared for me as a as a coach, cared for me as a as a person. The parents was a, a huge difference because as much as the parents want the kids to have fun, they know how competitive I am. They know what I'm all about. They know uh, that I have so many dreams, and they still they still wanted me to come they still didn't care they like okay I, we know you have a plan but i want you to coach my daughter and i think that was what what got me you know yeah in- incredible i think i i had a 
you know, I think I had a similar experience when I was making the transition from U.S. soccer that for me it was a lot about trying to figure out who the people that I wanted to work with were. Mm. And I think that was my draw to Rush as well. Like folks who valued me as a coach, valued me as a person. Mm. It wasn't about, um, you know, being a, a pawn in the game. It was about how can we help you develop? How can we how can we find a role for you that you're really passionate about? So I think it's, it's great to hear that that's not just something that's happening, you know, in Colorado, that it's happening in Georgia and and all over the country in rush organizations. I think that's that's a a real Testament. So, so what do you, I think, you know, listening to your story, I think there's some factors or some common things that I hear that really stick out to me. I think listening to you talk about the number of times that you, were willing to pick up the phone and make a call or stick your neck out and go speak to someone, go for a tryout, um, speak to someone about coaching pro or coaching high school or, you know, putting yourself in a position for whatever the next opportunity was. Can you like, do you think there's common things that in those different environments, like common things that have set you up for success, whether it was, mentors along the way or just your drive and kind of mentality as a as a person like what are those things that allowed you to do that because I think there's so many coaches and women who maybe just aren't aren't confident in in opening those doors for themselves or maybe don't have folks around them who do that so what do you think those factors were in your success in all those different environments first my background how I grew up my dad lived in the U.S for 15 years he graduated UCLA so he comes from the American mentality the way he brought me up and and the way how tough my mom was my parents my dad was the nice guy my mom was the tough one even she didn't want me to play soccer I had to I had to overcome that already on my growing up background my culture made me a little bit having to go at it to be of me as well who I am inside of myself like if you tell me I'm not going to do something, I'm going to do it just because you say that I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah. It, uh, being treated like you are inferior because of your gender sometimes, especially in Brazil, it it makes you, hey, I'm going to show you in a nice way that I can not maybe have the same speed as a guy, but I, I, I'm probably more intelligent in some ways. As I'm not competing with any guy. I'm competing with, with the girls, you know, I want them to compete with me in that kind of scenario. Like, I never competed against guys, but I always had to, like, swim over the water to survive because it was just my culture. Then I came to the U.S., and, of course, my how I saw the men treating women here, how I saw... Like, it's so amazing. It's just, it's maybe for the people that are here, living here the whole year, all of the career, they don't see it. But coming from Brazil, I was like, I'm in paradise. So I had my, I had head coaches that were, in Brazil, I had a female coach that was my favorite, okay? Her name is Jacqueline. She wrote me a letter when I was in the U.S. She was my inspiration because she was the toughest on me and she gave me the most opportunities made me not be scared of talking to an athletic director, you know, because if I can overcome a Brazilian coach telling me that I'm not going to play, you know, um, 
I can talk to anybody. So I think there has to be with has to do with my culture, and with the way people treat each other since I've got here in the U.S. Yeah, and what what an incredible sort of um, you know red thread through your career as both a player and thinking about your coaching. Like, you know, even you talking about your playing career at 12 years old, you know, no girls are playing. So having to earn the respect of the boys that you're playing with and having to jump in and, and even from a really young age, whether you were aware of it or not, Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure being shaped by that experience of being different and being looked down on um, and really having to, like you said, fight and earn your respect and, and advocate for yourself. I think um, probably so many women who are in the game at a high level share, share some of that somewhere in their playing career or in their coaching career. And I think it's, um, you know, incredible to hear how folks come out on the other side of it and how they're so much stronger for it and what they're able to give back to the young generation of players on the boys and the girls side um so thinking yeah i think the the other thing i'd be really curious like shifting gears a little bit i think knowing your knowing your background in the game and knowing how many different you know environments you were able to play in and then also coach in and now getting to step back and see it from where it is in 2020 what's your like can you talk a little bit about your perspective on the evolution of the women's game? Even this week, having the announcement from Brazil mm-hmm. from the Federation that they're going to be paying their men's and women's national team mm-hmm. players equally and sharing their world cup prize money and, and some of those things like what, yeah. What's that like? Cause I think you've, you've had an opportunity to see so many things change and so many things evolve in the women's game. What's your perspective on that? We are in heaven, I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> we are in the best. I mean, I think we, this is it. I, like, for them to announce that, it's, it was crazy yesterday. I was in shock a little bit. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was in complete <laughs> shock. So I think those scenarios, I think Brazilian men have, um, I love them, so don't, don't get this in the wrong way, but they have made, molded me to be a fighter, to be honest. They, in an unfortunately tough way, but they have inspired me to be better, to, to be successful, to overcome everything. But I was so happy for the people that have fought for it. Anyways, I, and if you look at 2001 and you look at 2010 and then you look at 2020, Oh my gosh, the game has developed so much. Um, the the players are faster, the they are more, they're stronger, they are more intelligent, they are they have more information, they are treated a little bit better. I see the game going on the right direction. At the same time that we want equal treatment, we want the same information. We want to be able to get the same information, the same uh, training, but with the understanding that we may, we may not have the same background that some of the boys had. The NEWSL was a, awesome. It was awesome because at least it's intense. At least it's like, like people are texting, tweeting. They're talking about it what the media has done with the game here. So that's my perspective. Like, uh, 
it's, we still have a long way to go in terms of what we female coaches and what we female players or what we female we we can do so much more huh now that we have the doors open i think we can do more we deserve more but like uh you got to watch the game that's number one if we want the women's game to really kick in and and keep going these little girls have to be able to have a game to watch how i ask my yeah yeah and i'm i'm you know that's something that i think we're we're just on the it feels like as you've said the games evolve so much and we're right on the cusp i think mm-hmm. of having better access to women's games you know we're like with cbs picking up some of the games now with mm-hmm. nbc is going to show the wsl this fall i think uh-huh. we're um I'm I'm so grateful. It feels like we're still a long way. I think we're still a long way from having the access that that we've had historically for the men's game. But we're, you know, I think that's going to continue to really push things forward as young players have better yeah. have better access to not just the men's game but the women's game. And and how, like you said, looking up to those role models and knowing those players and getting to see. Yeah. 96 Olympics, getting to see women on the field and getting to see what it mm-hmm. looks like and how that influenced the trajectory of your career and what that can do for our young players. You know, I think it's it's so exciting to think about. Um, and I think you just answer my question because as I was answering to you, what inspired me, and I, I, I get a little emotional about this, but because 1996 was it for me. Watching Mia Hamm, watching those warriors for me they are the they are the we have like some of this generation which is okay because we're gonna learn from it but they have no idea what these ladies have done for not for us for the world yeah game like it's unbelievable how inspired i was by mia ham michelle lakers i'm on the cromwell all of them all of them i get goosebumps talking about it now in terms of technique in terms of technique, I think we are falling behind. Yeah. But no, my inspiration, wow, I can do that. I yeah. can do that. It was me and him, for in- sure. Incredible, but- incredible. So thinking about, you know, talking about the evolution of the game, I think the last thing that I would love to to, to get your your predictions, I guess, or, or get you on record in talking about, you know, what do you, is the U.S. keeping pace, you know, at the highest, highest level? And then what are your predictions for the Olympics next year in Japan? And then thinking a little longer term about the 2023 Olympics, like what are your, who do you see taking home those, those titles and, and who are the countries maybe the U S needs to be watching their shoulder for? Uh, Okay. Let me be very careful because of the youth system in the U.S., as men, as much as some people can complain, the U.S. has the best girls, okay, girls' youth system in the world. Yeah. Why? Because they teach these kids to be strong, stressed, organized, disciplined since they are so young. So when they go to the World Cup, they're like, oh, okay, another game, and they don't stop until the whistle is blown. So the U.S., has the strongest mentality of any like any other country. The U.S. for me only loses if they don't care for it. Uh, the girls get taught here very soon, very young age, to 
just pass, 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 pass. So when they get in front of the goal, they don't have the creativity. So I think a lot of clubs are doing a better job at that, including Rush. I think Rush is, again, one of the the big clubs for me that focus on technique and then build little by little on the tactical aspects with the passing involved and everything else. So that's one thing why we are so ahead of everybody else. So my predictions for 2021 is the U.S., to be honest. Uh, there's so much to pick up from here in the U.S. There's so many players coming up. Catalina Macario, oh, my gosh. When she becomes eligible to play with the U.S., there is not going to be any country that's going to be able to stop the U.S. 2023, I think, still going to be the U.S. The other teams are catching up in the, in the, in the resistance, you know, Megan, in my opinion, but they're not catching up on the mental strength. Of yeah, the American players. Yeah, I, I love that, and I think you know it's something that having having grown up and 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 played in the game here and and getting to watch some of those same things you spoke about, you know, the '96 Olympics, the the '99 World Cup, like, and even more recently, like, I think that's something that for me as an American coach, like, is so core to the identity of our our players at the highest level, and I I'm mm-hmm. hopeful that with the new generation of coaches, with the new generation of players, watching young players and what they're capable of, that we can sort of combine those, those things you're speaking about, the technical aspects of the game and, and being a little bit smarter on the ball and maintaining the core identity of the mentality and, and being difficult to play against. Cause that's, you know, oh, yeah. if anybody who thinks about the women's national team, I think that's probably the first thing that would come to mind. So, so I think last thing, uh, you know, and I don't want to take up too, too much more of your time, but the, the last thing I'd be really curious is if you have any, you know, words of advice to, you know, young, either young players, young coaches and, and watching the game is one of the devices that I can give more they watch better they get. Maybe you're not going to be a professional player. Maybe that's not your dream, which is okay. Uh, through the game. Uh, if you don't become a doctor, if you don't become a lawyer, through the game, if you do become those other things, you're going to to be able to translate to your life, you know, the discipline, um, picking up the, the brain of the coaches, asking questions, staying after practice and working on the things that you don't excel as much for 30 minutes, an extra 30 minutes every day, even if you don't want to play professional, okay, even if you don't want – to play college just so when you do go play in your club team you are enjoying it because you know the things that you have to do with the ball without the ball you understand what the coach is, is, is saying and I think it's important for the coaches to also know about the players know a little bit of the background doesn't matter the parents are the players like the parents are the ones bringing them to practice they are like super important for the development of these kids Teaching the parents, I think, is one of the most important things because, and and for the for the coaches to not be discouraged by whatever age group they they coach, they can learn from every age group. And I've coached, I've worked like, okay, I want to coach club, then I have to coach high school, I have to coach college, then I have to coach profession, I want to coach a national team. So I did that, and I thought, okay, after that, then I'm going to be done. No way. I'm still learning so much. And now working with kids again, it's making me even better as a coach because I have to be more creative. 
I have to know how to have them engaged in my session. And especially for the female coaches, we need them. We need them to to believe that this is going to happen. We need them to 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 coach all levels if they can because we need that. The players, the female players, the girls, they relate so much to those experiences. And I think there's so much gold in some former players here in the U.S. that can be passed on. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I could have summed it up or or, or said it any better. And I think on that note, I wanna one. I wanna thank you for your time and your openness and and willingness to share your story and and also more importantly, the work that you're doing to advance the women's game, the work that you're doing to show um, young players and young coaches, especially girls and women, that there is a pathway and this can be done. Um, and and I think you know more directly the work that you're doing with the with the five teams now that you're coaching and and being able to pass your your passion and and knowledge on to those young players i know that you know the game will be in a better place five or ten years from now um because of the work that you're doing so i want to thank you for your time thank you so much megan for this time it was actually i've done some interviews before and podcasts and your yours was the best and i felt like (laughs) I was able to answer uh, truly from my heart and not hiding any information. And I, it's a pleasure that to know that you are now in charge of, of Colorado Rush, the girls' side as well, and you're going to be experienced, giving them your experience. I would love to even learn more about what you went through with the U.S. soccer one day. I would love to stay connected and learn from you as much as I can. And I'm here for you and for the whole Rush, Rush um, community as, as much as they need. Thank, 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 thanks for listening to Coach's Education exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network.